Introducing Bluehost Cloud, ultra-fast WordPress hosting with 100% uptime. Want a website with unmatched power, speed, and control? Of course you do. And now you can have all three with Bluehost Cloud, the new web hosting plan from Bluehost. With 100% uptime and incredibly speedy load times, your WordPress websites will be dependable and lightning fast on a global scale. Plus, your sites can handle even the biggest traffic spikes without going down or lagging. And with Bluehost Cloud, you get 24-7 WordPress priority support, meaning you're connected to WordPress experts anytime you need them. Not to mention, you automatically get daily backups and world-class security. So, what are you waiting for? Get Bluehost Cloud today by visiting bluehost.com. That's bluehost.com. Welcome to the Luminaries with David Odyssey. This time, the astrology and legacy of the one great egot of our time, Sister Mary Clarence, Odame Brown. That's right, it's Whoopi Goldberg. I'm joined by special guest Carolina Teresa. But first, as always, some thoughts on me topping Falcon and Winter Soldier, Wonder Woman, you know, the usual. Thanks for listening. Okay, so the update is that uh, my progression at age 30 into becoming an old, old, old faggot has now reached uh, a culmination, which is to say I spent $70 yesterday on loose leaf tea. And it's just like, it's so sad. I just stayed, uh, when I was in LA, I stayed at at an Airbnb with a very kind older gentleman who is also a nudist, but, you know, do with that what you will, um, who was like an an old school Disney fan. Like he's an animator and he was very kind, but just seeing like all the paraphernalia around the house, including like a stuffed parrot from like Mary Poppins or something. I was like, okay, well, here's me in about five years because... <coughs> My destiny to be some sort of a, like, collector by means of loneliness. I think it's been a through line throughout my life, and it's just, like, not something... I'm just realizing it's not really something we can escape. I'm looking at a stack of astrology books. You know, of course, there's the comic book issue. issue. Um, I So, yeah, I just want to say I now am drinking Ruby Oolong because I needed that. Um... And, and, and I'm just, like, I have this vision of, like, welcoming a younger man. By younger, I mean above 18. Thank you. I'm going to be in my 40s. I welcome a younger man into my apartment. He sees all of my, like, pathetic um, Buffy paraphernalia. I offer him one of 70 teas and start talking to him about my passion for teas. Um, and then he, like talks about me on his podcast or I guess on his like clubhouse channel. I do want to be a clubhouse celebrity still. I just, I'm not really interested in like talking about, um, like capitalism. Sorry. I, I just feel like everything on clubhouse is like a LinkedIn seminar. Um, so there's that issue. And then, uh, the, yeah, TikTok and Twitter, I, you know, any minute that, now that's really going to click for me. Let's just, you know, 
Uh, keep praying for that one. Okay. As always, you know, after a few days in Los Angeles, I get some sort of a stomach condition. It happens every single time. Um, it may be from the drinking water. Uh, it may be from the fine dining one encounters in Silver Lake and the bizarre uh, meat substitutes one encounters. Uh, or, you know, there's probably some trauma history there. It happens literally every time. Um, Silver Lake's, it, it, it was gorgeous. Uh, I hate to say that. It was beautiful. Um, Palm Springs was lovely. Speaking of old fags. Um, the development with me, and this isn't such a development, is like I'm continuing my streak of only topping men who weigh like 30 to 50 pounds more than I do. Um, which I think is me fucking the action figures of my childhood. Uh, Lulu Krauss once asked me if I fucked my power. And I think this is me fucking my power. It's me just embracing that the body type that I consider to be the like alpha omega, you know, Josh Dumel and when a date with Tad Hamilton, my first sexual awakening. Um, sorry, that's me pouring this oolong. Uh, there is this aspect of me topping it, like me pumping and dumping these men and then walking out that I do think is liberating. It is shadow magic. Um, and I do think it is unleashing some sort of a, um, I think I am unleashing some sort of a dark incubus by doing this. Um, I don't see how this is going to end well. Um, now though, I'm now, now I only want, not only, but I'm now wanting to be topped by like a skinny boy. So I think by reversing the food chain of power from what, it, what I thought it was be, what I thought it would be growing up as a young boy in the pre-Ryan Murphy era. I, as the skinny boy, am fucking these bigger men, and then I want an even skinnier boy to fuck me. So, uh, listen, I am very lonely. None of this is, is real love or affection. Uh, it is demonic. And I, last night, as I was like on Grinder on 1st Ave and 20th Street, because by the way, I'm, I'm just going to tell you now, I am getting nothing in Bushwick, okay? I have to go into Manhattan and suddenly, you know, I'm the new girl in town. She just came on the scene. Uh, the new girl in town can't be more than 16. Um, when I go into Manhattan, they go wild. But of course, as soon as I get back on the L train, they all are like, oh, you're not here anymore. I'm done with you. And it's like, okay, fine. I will just loiter around every hot dog stand in Manhattan waiting for someone to agree to have sex and like cut the foreplay. God, it's so hard being me apparently. Um, so yeah, this is just kind of a total mess and a battleground. Um, but I do think I am fucking my power. I am back to my pre COVID weight. Thank God. Uh, well, not think of, whatever that means to anyone. It feels good for me to have something on me. Um, you know, that's totally subjective. Um, Ugly Betty is being rewatched. Um, some in Palm Springs, I and some of the ancient forces who govern this reality convened. We decided that. Really, the only show to watch is Ugly Betty. Um, 
Ugly Betty was really big for me. Um, so just so you understand, Ugly Betty ran during the golden age of ABC. The golden age of ABC is Ugly Betty lost, pushing daisies. Um, there's one other one that I'm missing um, from that period, but it was a it it was before the the golden age of television started out right. So it's in this period before you would go to, you know, AMC to watch Mad Men. So for those of us who are watching the networks, ABC was really doing all the queer programming. Um, and Pushing Daisies, you know, my feelings about that. Um, it, it's a, it's in my heart forever. Um, so Ugly Betty ran from 2006 through 2010. I think the the final season of Ugly Betty is one of the best ever. Um, obviously, Ugly Betty does go through through some ups and downs, um, though not as severely as Felicity. Um, and it does really like recover. And I gotta tell you, rewatching season one, I'm like, fuck, this was good. It's really strong. Um, there are some true gags in season one, and um, I just think the gay characterization is. A thousand times better than Glee. Glee started when Ugly Betty was ending, and there's a clear contrast, let me just tell you. And listen, I, you know, Ugly Betty, they couldn't show gay boys really kissing until the final season. They can barely even say that some of the characters are gay, but they are. And I'm not saying that's better, but there is an aspect of subtlety there, Um that is like more real and i think that the hilda relationship with her son justin is like so beautiful anyways um obviously becky newton and michael yuri do really important work vanessa williams is incredible and and i i gotta give it to america ferrera like the culture is different now if ugly betty were on now it just literally wouldn't be on because they call her fat on the show it's it's america ferrera working at vogue magazine essentially and they bully her they they terrorize her they're constantly attacking her and her sheer joie de vivre and uh joy of life and eagerness and optimism in a kind of pre-leslie nope um America, uh, in a Bush's America, really. Uh, Leslie Nope is in Obama America. Um, it, it wins the day. I am not saying that it was a better time because I do think, obviously, in terms of the way we deal with like weight and stuff, it's so much better. And no one would be like the amount of like calorie con- lines that are set on that show, kind of like in Devil Wars Prada, wouldn't be said now, which is good. But at on the other hand, I just think, like, there is a grit and, like, a, a, a cruelty that she has to face that feels real to me. Um, and that might be my own trauma from, like, growing up as, you know, a child of, of the 90s and the and the low-rise low jeans era. But I just, like, I think if that show were made now, everyone would be way more, like supportive and affirming in a way that I think is really disingenuous and what was so brave I hate that word what was so incredible about that show Sylvia Huerta gay showrunner and Selma Hayek producer was that it really was like this is a 
Latina girl from Queens who's overweight and has, not even overweight, but who isn't like emaciated and has braces. And we're really going to like be real with how she would be treated. Okay. Um, The other thing that, and listen, this is the constant complaint when you listen to this podcast. I miss shows that are made on the cheap, that are structured, and that are, that are, all right. Oh God, this oolong is really good. Um, I watched Captain America. What what is it called? Falcon and Winter Soldier. I'm so embarrassed for myself once again. You know we are really watching uh, the B list, B and C list variety hour at this point. Okay. The way that these shows do like a Joe Swanberg cinema verite shaky cam, like the scene where Winter Soldier is in therapy and they're like zooming in on his like eyeballs is so bad. It it I'm I'm beat red talking about it. Like all of these shows want to act serious, so they do this like handheld camera, like we're really up in there. And it's like, no, this is an action show. Like, this is not an indie mumblecore dramedy starring Anna Kendrick. Like, it's so embarrassing. Um, I have nothing else. I mean, I have nothing to say about that show. I'm going to keep watching it. I, of course, love Ed Brubaker's run on Captain America. I love The Winter Soldier. Um, That is, talk about Bush era. That is like, those comics were so fucking good. When Captain America gets shot on the steps of uh, not the White House, something. Um, very exciting time. Mike Epting, we love that art. Um, we, of course, love Sebastian Stan because he is one of the two losers in Black Swan who Mila Kunis and... Um, Natalie Portman kind of fuck around with. It's so good. Black Swan is so good. Okay? God. Barbara Hershey. So I did watch Portrait of a Lady, which is my mother's, like, favorite movie with Nicole Kidman. Again. I don't know what was going on in the 90s but this is one of two period pieces that i know of you could say three if you count the walking on broken glass video by annie lennox so let's say three period pieces uh dangerous liaisons portrait of a lady and walking on broken glass in which women are not just attracted to but fatally obsessed with john malkovich okay i adore john malkovich but like We know that in Dangerous Liaisons, Michelle Pfeiffer is so in love with him that she dies. She literally perishes. And then Portrait of a Lady... Have I talked about this before? All right, whatever. Portrait of a Lady, um, Nicole Kidman turns down Viggo Mortensen for him, okay? I actually think it makes sense in Walking on Broken Glass because Annie Lennox and John Malkovich look alike. They're both like very Dia de los Muertos looking and it is hot that they would both be like in period piece regalia wanting each other. Anyways, I could not really get into Portrait of a Lady 
we celebrate Barbara Hershey and any camp role she, that she wants to do. I was just like, I, I mean, let's talk about this now. Of course, we celebrate Jan, Jane Campion. Top of the Lake is... Let me tell you, if you need a show to watch during pandemic, you put on Top of the Lake, okay? This is Holly Hunter doing hag performance of a lifetime. That is, that wig. If I could see taste in that wig, okay. But I did watch The Piano in 2021 during the height of my depression. I do want to say The Piano sucks. Um, no one should have won an Oscar for that. It's crazy that Anna Paquin won an Oscar for that. No, first of all, a, cap, a, a preface, no one has supported Anna Paquin more than I have, okay? I have put her children through college by this point. I watched all seven seasons of True Blood. I know a lot of you are now going through your True Blood phase. I did it live, all seven seasons, okay? The piano, the fact that she won an Oscar for that I'm okay with children winning Oscars. Like, obviously, Keisha Castle-Hughes deserves everything she gets for the for Whale Rider. But that role is not a complex character. It's literally just, like, a supporting character. And that accent is crazy. And also, Holly Hunter's accent is crazy. Um, I appreciate seeing Harvey Keitel's dick. You know, I... It's not something I asked for, necessarily, but... You know, uh, pour pour out some oolong tea to Harvey Keitel. Speaking of the love of my mother's life, okay. Love Reese Witherspoon and Little Nicky. By the way, I think she she did a lot for us then. Um, no, I did not watch Zack Snyder's Justice. I'm I'm also beat red that I'm talking about this on this podcast. Do you see how far the culture has has completely crashed? I just can't do it. Okay, I. I want to be happy. I truly do want to be a happy person. Um, and I just can't do it, you know? And it's gotten to this point where I'm like... I don't know how much more superhero media I can consume because I am so angry that I'm not making it. And this has been how it's been for like 12 years now. But I'm like, I literally can't keep putting myself through this. That said... I'm going through a big, thanks to the New York Public Library, I'm going through a major Tom King phase. Um, I do think his Batman run is very good. I'm not one, the contemporary male superhero auteurship uh, with like him or Jonathan Hickman are these very kind of deconstructive, um, non-cliffhanger, non-soap operatic comics that kind of just... Um, take apart the characters in these more kind of subtle, quiet ways. And I appreciate that. I obviously loved his Mr. Miracle. I like, hello, I'm an Ugly Betty viewer. I need a little more soap operatics. However, I do think his Batman run is very good. I read Heroes in Crisis, which I loved. Clayman's art had me really turned on. Also, I love the new Batgirl costume. I love most new Batgirl costumes. I love it. I... Anytime, the idea that she has her hair fully out with just the little bat ears, I think is, I think it's so elegant. I just, I love it. Um, once again, my life's dream to write the Batgirl movie, 
still somehow dashed, you know, I'm just kind of living in that space. Um, obviously reading, you know, it's interesting because I, I read the Grant Morrison, uh, you know, the hero of this podcast. If you ever need Grant Morrison reading recommendations, also from the New York Public Library, I have so many because they are, they're an Aquarius, they are, uh, they're a mystic, they are who I want to be. Uh, Super Gods is like the book that, that, that made me, me. Super Gods is the book where I was like, oh, I am a writer. Okay. Grant Morrison uh, and Yannick Paquette, gorgeous artist, uh, made a three-volume series um, called Wonder Woman Earth One, which is Grant Morrison's kind of take on Wonder Woman. Uh, The final volume came out last week. I read it. um, Obviously, I think it's a masterpiece. I'm going to be getting some of it tattooed on me. There's a, you know, I want a J.G. Jones Wonder Woman tattoo, but I think there's room for a whole sleeve maybe. God, me with a sleeve, imagine. Um, By the way, I did get uh, my, speaking of Grant Morrison's tattoos, I got my Grant Morrison, I got my Final Crisis, J.G. Jones, uh, New Gods, Mark of Good tattoo on my back. The tattoo artist, Lesile Feed, who is queer, as I walked into their home studio, what do I see? Sailor Moon, regalia everywhere. I was home. If you need a good queer tattoo artist who is very spiritually and emotionally aligned with the the trauma of tattoos. Um, I can't recommend them highly enough. Anyways, Grant Morrison's Wonder Woman is pretty life-changing. In the third volume, Grant Morrison basically gives up on the idea of Wonder Woman going into man's world and just basically has Wonder Woman, you know, pulling a bimini and toppling the patriarchy um, and turning the entire planet into, uh, I think they call it Harmonia and the capital city is, oh no, it's Harmonia, but then they change the word history to history with a Y um, and it just becomes like this femme fantasia. And it just, I mean, it was, it, it was gorgeous. I loved it. And, and it was everything the movie could never be um but you know it's interesting with that and then with the current x-men comics um if you're not aware of this over the last two years uh the x-men have moved basically all mutants have their own sovereign nation it's an island nation called krakoa and all of the kind of mutant the mutant opera is no longer about how can mutants reconcile with a world that hates them? It's um, how do mutants create their own state, basically. And it's just like crazy how how this shifted. And I assume this has shifted with the, the so- social uprisings that we saw over the last year. The social uprisings that are once again resurging um, over the last few weeks in the, wakes, uh, in the wake of... Um, violence against Asian American people, just this, like, I don't know, it is this very Magneto thing of, like, peace is no longer an option, and, you know, maybe this has to do with the internet and just the idea that, like, 
maybe you don't need to. I, I don't know. I think it's very much this aspect of like a lot of us last year just not going home for Thanksgiving and this idea of like, yeah, maybe we don't need to fully reconcile. Like maybe, maybe we do live in two separate countries. Um, it, it's very refreshing though. And exciting. You know, I wish I had something more profound to say. I would just say like, read those books. And also like, it's time for us to basically cultivate our own culture. Like enough of, of, of the compromise. Obviously, Drag Race UK, you know, for all my talk uh, about smearing RuPaul, blah, 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 I'm totally back on board. Not with American Drag, because I think American Drag Race does make me homophobic. But Drag Race UK, love, love, love. Um, I understand that Bimini was the star of the season. I do think Lawrence Cheney was the protagonist of the season. And that does have to be rewarded. Um because if you think about like season two, Raven was the protagonist of her season and she didn't win and she should have, you know, because then we get yeah, anyways. But um, Melissa Rich says that I should date Tace, which I'm like, yeah, that sounds lovely. I'm totally game for that. Um, so this week's episode is Whoopi Goldberg, another Aquarius Rising. I swear I didn't even know that. It just keeps happening. We are joined by my traveling buddy, Carolina. Um, Whoopi is really interesting. She's full of a lot of contradictions. And it's interesting, like, in this moment where the Oscars have never been more meaningless. Like, I am trying to be nice about this, but I did see Promising Young Woman, okay? Um... It's, it was interesting watching all of her clips uh, from winning and hosting the Oscars and the way that the Oscars were so vital when I was a child, like the way that like after 9-11, Whoopi hosted the Oscars and like people returned to that and like instead of a 9-11 joke, she made a glitter joke and that was like, that was that. It's like, I don't know that we live in that world anymore. I don't know that people want to see a room full of rich people like that anymore. And I, maybe people do. I mean, they are rebooting Gossip Girl, but like, it, it, I don't know that people want to see like the elite in formal wear making in-jokes, you know? So that's just food for thought, but uh, I hope you enjoy the episode. Thank you for listening. Um, live, laugh, love. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welcome to a special, they're all special, but welcome to another special, I'm sounding like fucking RuPaul. Welcome to another special edition of The Luminaries, uh, this time celebrating the cosmic legacy of the one and only Whoopi Goldberg. To do that, I have recruited uh, a fellow multi-hyphenate comedian, storyteller, actress, and most recently, my go-to travel partner, Miss Carolina Teresa. Carolina, welcome to the podcast. It's far too <clears throat> late that I have you on here. I'm so excited to be here, David. It is a true honor, an accolade in its own right. 
Yeah, it's it's uh, you are a prize catch for me. Um, so I'm very glad we have you. I'm glad you suggested we do Whoopi. It was such a no brain. It's one of those things where it was like, which I think is very Whoopi generally because because she was so ubiquitous when I was growing up. I like take her for granted, and then when I was looking at her chart and studying her history, it's like, oh wait, she actually is. <laughs> so extraordinary and so unusual yeah really iconic so how how did you get into Whoopi? what influence has she had on you creatively as a performer etc cetera, etc cetera? <clears throat> i think Whoopi's like been my biggest inspiration since i was little mm. because she's a singer she was a comedian she danced she basically was like an all-around entertainer and I loved to be entertained and I wanted to entertain mm -hmm. I think when I was little I didn't realize I wanted to be a comedian I knew I wanted to make people laugh I knew I wanted to sing and I always saw Whoopi doing all of those things and being like a dark-skinned black girl who just made all these funny movies and kind of just like did what she wants did what she wanted like outside of being famous for acting and the egot whoopi just like does what she wants she's just like wearing loose clothing on the view mm. showing up to work high just yes life that i aspire to <laughs> yeah so let's jump in <clears throat> with that uh that's a that's a great place to to th that's a great kind of uh element to start with so um, I did not know this, but Whoopi Goldberg is an Aquarius rising. Uh, we've done a few Aquarius risings on this chart recently. I am an Aquarius rising. Aaliyah is an Aquarius rising. David Bowie. Uh, we just did Emperor Hadrian. So it's kind of tea. Uh, Richard Perez just informed me that Madonna is an Aquarius rising. So when Whoopi Goldberg was born, Aquarius was breaking on the Eastern horizon. Uh, that puts her ascendant in Aquarius, her chart begins with Aquarius. So uh, the kind of direction and point of view of her chart is defined by Aquarius. She's a Scorpio sun. Um, and it was interesting, I looked up other Scorpio suns who are Aquarius rising, and we have <clears throat> Adam Driver, Sylvia Plath, but the big one is Roseanne. So Roseanne and Whoopi are both Scorpios with Aquarius rising, which I thought was interesting and I want to know your thoughts on this Carolina but like okay we we have a lot of women in comedy who are Scorpio sons we have Parker Posey Kathy Griffin Fran Lebowitz Goldie Hawn okay you know Scorpio is such a truth teller Scorpio is so um it, it, they're so ready to kind of uh rip them rip us out of our straitjackets kind of reveal the deep mm -hmm. truths of life to me, the Aquarius rising adds this kind of real outsider sensibility, this real like, um, it, 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 when I look at Roseanne and Whoopi, they're both really <clears throat> non-traditional when, when they did real comedy before they became kind of um, screen stars. I feel like their comedy Whoopi's was not really stand up. It was, and, and Yes, it was characters, but they were more these kind of personas. And Roseanne, Roseanne was so iconoclastic and so not like a straightforward comic. Mm -hmm. And to me, that's where the Aquarius comes in, which is yeah. this kind of, yeah. What, what do you think about that? 
I definitely agree with the Aquarius and the not afraid to be different, not afraid to step outside of the box. Was both of them did very different comedy before they were screen stars. They never tried to like do um, like traditional setup, primary setup, joke, joke, you know. Right. <clears throat> and, you know, Whoopi's watching like her Broadway show from 1985. It's like it's so bizarre it's mm -hmm. still i think it's still i don't think there's anyone who does that which is like these personas who aren't necessarily like supposed to be comedic like they're not parodies they're like they're basically fully lived in characters mm -hmm. who are just expressing themselves and in that authenticity there's some humor is that how you would describe it yeah yeah and, and to me that's kind of a that's a lot of also where the scorpio comes in it's not and, and i would say that with any of these kind of scorpio women like parker posey or fran Lebowitz, it's it's more just like it, it's very honest it's very true and it's not really like she's not really playing any tricks on you you're just kind of going along with her um so there's that aspect um yeah, Scorpio is so, you know, you and I, you're a Virgo. We agree that there's a lot of Virgo <laughs> comedians we know. But I do think Scorpio plays into a lot of comedians because Scorpio is very authentic. And Scorpio is not afraid of, I, I don't think Scorpio is afraid to talk about heavy or dark or intense shit, you know? Yeah. Um, I agree. You agree. Okay, I'm so happy. So Aquarius is ruled by Saturn in traditional astrology, and it's ruled by Uranus in contemporary astrology. I go with Uranus because Uranus is the queer planet. It's the planet of kind of revolution, of new ideas, of kind of like awakening the world to to new, new concepts. Um, she has Uranus in Leo, which doesn't really work. It's in its fall. Um, Leo is like the sign of stardom and the sign of like leadership through kind of egocentric self-expression. Mm. Uranus is all about like liberating the people. So this is kind of a clash that's going to come up a lot throughout this conversation. But um, her Uranus, her, her, her Aquarian ability comes out through her performance great and her uranus is in her sixth house of work if we think of uranus as this kind of like force that shakes up your life when we see it in your sixth house of work we definitely get a sense that it's it's meant to launch her out of uh out of the circumstances she gr uh, grows up with um mm -hmm. i wrote this quote down from alan oaken it's a reaching out to search for additional tools of self-expression. So there's just this idea that I think her Leo power, her star power is what she used to, um, to change her circumstances. And then if we look at Saturn, you know, she's a very powerful Scorpio. She has the sun, moon and Mercury and Saturn in Scorpio. Um, and Scorpio is the sign of metamorphosis and transformation. She has Scorpio at the top of her chart, kind of in her most public point. Mm -hmm. When you see her sun and Saturn in a conjunction, 
um, Saturn is all about like structure and the sun is all about kind of shining and radiating. When mm -hmm. we see them that close together, it can mean you're, 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 you're your own worst critic. You know, you have these standards you can never live up to. It also denotes, um, especially in Scorpio, this unbelievable sense of like rigor and hard work that mm. will be used to change your circumstances. Um, I wrote the quote down, the builder. So it's basically, she can achieve anything her mind sets, uh, is set to. How are you feeling with that? I mean, it's exactly what she did. I feel like knowing her history and how mm. she kind of like, face a lot of people being like she was always met i mean i think Whoopi was always meant to be a star because there were so many roadblocks of people saying no to her mm. because of the way that she looked especially in the beginning where she just was like no 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 i'm a star and she kept going so that sounds like what that's what you're saying yes and i also think it's like it moved very quickly from her performing in la then her getting the broadway show then being in the color purple and then it was just like boom 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 and, and it is to me i see the sun saturn as kind of the egot which is like again a sun saturn can be really crushing because you have saturn which is like the highest possible standard right on your source of vitality in her case it's very transformative. It's squaring Pluto. The sun, Pluto is the planet of kind of death and metamorphosis. So Pluto and Jupiter are in Leo. There is just this aspect of um, rigorous transformation. And with her, it really is like, here's the system. This is very Scorpio. You know, Scorpio is able to see the matrix and then control the matrix. Mm. She has her sun and moon in Scorpio. She's like RuPaul in that ability. Um, so she's basically like, okay, I'm going to get an Oscar. Then I'm getting a Grammy. Then I'm getting an Emmy. Then I'm getting a Tony. Then mm. I'm getting a talk show. I'm producing everything. I like, I'm going to produce a show. I'm going to star in it. Like it's so much about like, this is how the matrix is structured. I'm now going to hack it. Mm. Um, which is interesting too, because I, I think, and this comes up in her astrology, like I think she, one of her struggles is she's an Aquarius rising. She's kind of an iconoclast. Um, you know, she, she, there's this idea that she has What's this kind of Venus. I'm sorry. What's her Venus, her love? That's a great question. So she has Venus in Sagittarius. Hmm. Venus in Sagittarius is thought of as a bon vivant placement. I don't think it's the best. I mean, this is someone with three divorces who says she's never going to get married again. Mm -hmm. Sagittarius, you know, craves um adventure freedom travel pleasure venus and sag really shines as this kind of like funky bohemian artist type not mm. really meant to be locked down um her venus is in her 10th house of career and public role it's right on her midheaven so we do get this sense that that bohemian sense of artistry 
really is where she's most kind of seen and adored, which totally makes sense because again, if you watch if you watch the Broadway show, which is how Steven Spielberg saw her and cast her in, in the color purple, you're just like, who is this woman? You know? She's so bizarre. Um, she's such a star though. Yes. And to me, I I had a theater teacher in high school who was basically like they don't he used her as a reference because he was basically saying like you need celebrities with 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 um, memorable faces and mm. a lot of like starlets and oscar winners are not they just kind of all look the same they're just like pretty ingenues and whoopi goldberg I, I, that to me is a lot of the venus and sag which is like sh she's very unusual you know her style's unusual she's very eclectic that's the other thing i love her style like it's iconic to me i love how she just wears like loose hippie clothes and even back then she never tried to be like sexy but she was yeah. always like you know seemingly straight and i love that she was just like i'm just gonna be myself and be comfortable and you can say what you want to say about literally anything about me and I don't care. I love that. And also like, if you look at the nineties, um, which I, you know, I love this, like the nine, you know, she has, um, she, you know, Venus is at her career point uh, and she has her, her North node there too. So once the money really starts coming in, if we look at that, winning the oscar for ghost then if you watch soap dish especially and then hosting the oscars four times she really looks good like if you watch soap dish or if you watch her host hosting the oscars she looks really good she's dressed to the nines so there is this aspect of like i can do the glamour if but only you want to pay for like it, it. and if you feel it. like it exactly um so her Mars is in Libra. Um, Libra is, of course, ruled by Venus as well. Um, Mars is the kind of other side of her sexuality. It's kind of her fire and her drive. Mars is not doing great in Libra. Mars is all about individuality. Libra is all about like harmony and balance. So I would just say this is kind of where I see the view coming in, certainly, which is Libra, you know, Libra is all about kind of um, moderating, balancing, harmonizing. And then she has Mars, which Mars and Libra takes that into like argument and battle. So I do love this aspect that on the view, she is um, she's a moderator, but she's also a provocateur. Um, and you know, Libra, uh, that Mars does rule her second house, uh, Aries, which is her second house of personal resources and earning. So I do like this idea that um, as this Mars and Libra, and, and we think about this too as a four-time Oscar host, she's able to kind of moderate, but also she can't help but add a little, add a little controversy. Um, that comes through to me again, you know, her, her Uranus in Leo is 
in a square with her moon. Um, and she has, so, so there's just this idea, I think of, she has these kind of provocative and revolutionary ideas. Um, I think they can often be limited in terms of they're a little egocentric. Um, they're a little bit limited to her own experience, which I think is something you want in a star. But I think in terms of like, I'm sorry. And you see that on the view sometimes. Exactly. Um, yeah. How would you describe her on the view? I mean, honestly, she's so funny on The View because she, like, blatantly, like, sometimes you show up and you're like, is Whoopi just high? Does she even care? Yes. But then sometimes you want to get in Megan McCain's ass. And just, like, she just, because, I mean, sometimes I'd be like, she kind of lets Megan McCain run her mouth and she, like, rolls her eyes. But then sometimes Megan McCain will say something and Whoopi will be will snap right onto it and be like, what? Huh? No. Yeah. But also when she there are things that she doesn't understand because she is still an old lady. And so sometimes not just Megan McCain related, but there are things where Wolvie's just like she'll talk and I'll be like, mm, you don't really know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was, you know, it was really interesting. Like I was watching the clip of her um I, I was watching a clip of her with like Laverne Cox on the view and this is one where Whoopi got herself in trouble because Whoopi is basically saying like racism is not as big of a thing. Um, Whoopi was basically saying like you racism, it, it, like she was basically putting her experiences with racism that she grew up with into this very personal framework. And Laverne Cox was like, no racism is a system it it affects everyone and oh, wow. Whoopi just like didn't really want to hear that um and to me that's what where we have a lot of interesting aspects with Whoopi like but that's Whoopi being an old lady and not understanding it's her being an old lady I, I also think she has Uranus and Pluto which are these big ge generational planets in Leo Leo is very much um Leo is the flip side of Aquarius. If Aquarius is this kind of social revolution, Leo is the voice of it. And in a lot of ways, she's been able to tap into that Leo power, being the first, being the second uh, Black woman to ever win an Oscar, the first Black woman to ever host the Oscars in that role, okay? But we see that her Mercury is square that Uranus. Her Mercury is her ability to communicate and express herself. Um, and we see that that Mars uh, in Libra is in that eighth house, um, that eighth house of kind of metamorphosis. So we, we see also with Pluto squaring her sun and her Saturn, there is this aspect of the limits of the self uh, and the limits of the perspective of the self to best serve these kind of revolutionary ideals. So I think for Whoopi, when the experience is personal, she's able to speak to it. Uh huh. I don't think she's able to really, which is hard as an Aquarius rising. I don't think she's able to say, I'm going to speak for the people at all moments, you know, for her. And, and also, you know, her Mercury, um, her Mercury rules her fourth house, Gemini. 
Uh, Gemini is, uh, you know, obviously the sign of expression. It's in that fourth house. The fourth house is um, your home, your ancestry, your roots. We see her south node here. So this is kind of where she came from. Um, Mercury is in the eighth house. The eighth house is the house of transformation. It's also the house of inheritance. So to me, I, I get this sense that her story is really about her story, which is she grew up with nothing. She grew up in a really intense childhood. She had dyslexia. Um, she didn't have any money. She really made something of herself. And a lot of her experience and a lot of her worldview is shaped by that. I think when we see these kind of tough squares from Uranus and Pluto uh, to her sun, to her moon, to her Mercury, I just get a sense that in terms of like connecting to the larger kind of movements, the larger human populace, which she is obviously able to do in a lot of ways, especially against Meghan McCain, she can do that. But there's often times where if someone like Laverne Cox wants to come in and say, listen, your experience with racism is, is part of a global thing, she doesn't want to hear that. You know, she's a double Scorpio. She transformed on her own. Um, yeah. She, she doesn't want to hear that this is part of something bigger, you know? No, because I, I, I think it's kind of like, but this is a generational thing where I feel like a lot of people of color or from a different country do this thing where they're like, they get sold the American dream or they get sold this thing or this idea mm -hmm of the success and like what it's like and how hard it was for them to do it. They don't want to hear that it's not easy for everyone else. They just want to be like, well, I did it so everyone can do it. Yes. Um, and she, oh it's God, so coffee. interesting. That is such an interesting point, Carolina, because I was watching all of her Oscar hosting clips um, and you know, it's interesting watching old, and by old, I mean literally anything leading up to the last year, because I think the Oscars are virtually dead now. Um, you're watching this room of the most wealthy and famous people in the world, all uh -huh. all sitting, sitting down and like doing these really weird in-jokes with each other. And when you see Whoopi get up there, she's the first black woman to do this. And she does it four times. I think she's the best Oscar host. But it's weird. You're like, she's an outsider in a lot of ways. And she's an Aquarius rising. And, she, you know, she's Venus in Sagittarius. She's definitely an outsider. And she's made it. And she's now in this room with these fabulously wealthy people, most of whom are white. And she's making in-jokes with them and she's made it in. And that is kind of, that is the American dream fully realized in a lot of ways. But it's also like, I don't know, watching it now, it's like, oh, this sucks. Like, maybe they shouldn't do this anymore. You know, it's so elitist. It's so, um, it's such a power thing, you know? Maybe they shouldn't do what? Have the Oscars? in some ways mm. just watching her joking around with like billy crystals here and john travolta and russell crowe and we're all gonna make like industry in jokes 
that all of these poor people at home are going to watch. Like there is a dark aspect to it. And yeah, um, I I think going from that, it's kind of difficult. Um, Mm. It's also interesting. A lot of the complaints that get, that get uh, thrown at RuPaul, which is like, okay, you're a fracker (laughs) and Mm -hmm. you know, you'll do anything for money. RuPaul and Whoopi are both sun, moon, and Scorpio. And one way or another, Scorpio does want power. And I think for them, there is just this thing of like, this is well, what I power is. And I think really powerful about the position that Whoopi has put herself in. Yes. She's really wealthy. Yes. She's independently wealthy beyond just her acting, drama, whatever. So yes. I feel like as a Black woman, she definitely has always made the grab for power or presented yes. as powerful, which even though like it has its faults, it's something to admire. Like it wouldn't be my personal choices. It wouldn't be, not all the choices would be my choices, but it's something that I admire is that she's just so unapologetically black and rich and kind of just very like, and and on The View, one of my favorite things about her is that like, sometimes at the end of the argument, she just throws in, well, nobody can tell me what to do because I got this, 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 and this, and I got my own. And there's something beautiful about that. So... This is another element I think of the double Scorpio. Mm-hmm. Um, she's a she's a genius producer. So um, I think her Tony is not even from starring on Broadway. I'm pretty sure she produced Thoroughly Modern Millie and won a Tony for that. I'm going to double check. Um, she's very again like RuPaul. RuPaul, you know, of course says not only are we having this show drag race, but I'm going to produce music that then these drag queens have to perform on drag. You know, it's that level of thinking, which I think is very much the double Scorpio, you know, with the view, she's making unimaginable amounts of money. We also know, of course, she owns a medical cannabis company specifically for menstrual cramps. This is um, why because my, she is my godmother. Like, yeah. I agree with that, which is basically. If you don't think I'm going to be older with my dreads and my loose clothing, <laughs> then you don't know. And, you know, this to me is where the Scorpio and the Aquarius come in, which is when we look at a lot of the careers of women in Hollywood and black women in Hollywood, there is this kind of tragic element, which is they are at the mercy of the men who control this industry. Mm-hmm. Whoopi who is an Aquarius rising. She's got double Scorpio and Saturn in Scorpio. Aquarius, again, is ruled by Saturn. She has Saturn in Scorpio. There is this ability to say, these are the systems and I can see them and I'm going to hack them. So Whoopi put herself in this really incredible position of, regardless of if her career as an actress is going well, whatever that even means, Money is coming in on multiple fronts, you know, and that, you know, and again, her Emmy is not for acting. Her Emmy is for hosting The View. You know, it's so next level where she's like, 
I'm going to have multiple things going on at once so that you can mm-hmm. never, you know, she's not at anyone's mercy. Mm-hmm. Um, and by the way, I love that she started this weed company because Whoopi has Uranus in the sixth house. The sixth house is, um, the house, not just of work, but the house of the body. Uranus is the planet of upheaval and kind of, um, uh, itinerancy. Uranus is in an opposition with Chiron. Chiron is the asteroid basically of a lot of things, but of the wounded healer. Um, Mm. and she has Chiron in her 12th house, her house of self undoing. They're in an opposition and they're both in a square to Neptune. Neptune is the planet of, uh, drugs and intoxication. So we know that she's someone who's going to be plagued by health issues. Uh, which she she has been. She's gone on breaks for the view for uh, from the view for various health issues. I love though that they both make this T square to Neptune, which is the planet of drugs and intoxication. And she's like, okay, I'm going to make a cannabis company. And I also, by the way, when she accepted her Oscar for Ghost, she had just smoked. She smoked a joint before accepting that Oscar. So it's like, okay, you're an icon. Um, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I'd love to hear, are there any kind of seminal roles or moments that in her career that you, you really love? I love Sister Act just yes. because it was so funny. And like the first one and the second one, she was just so funny comedically and carried that whole entire movie her motherfucking back like there were so many people who went on to be famous that were in those movies and like so many great actors and actresses but she truly was like she shone like a star and just I love about Whoopi is like how she doesn't she gives characters depth without being like without doing too much and uh Sister Mary Clarence was she was funny she was running from the mob but she also had a heart and, you know, she felt like, I don't know. I loved everything about that character. And it just was like literally her being a Vegas showgirl. It was just so ridiculous that I was like, yeah. this is everything for me. So Carolina, you and I are of a specific generation, which was, and I, I'm wondering if you had this too. I grew up with a VCR and <laughs> this is all pre-streaming. So whatever vcrs you have whatever videotapes you had in your house when you're a kid you just watch them over and over and Mm -hmm. over and sister act my mom had that tape and sister act i just like it was always on in my house like always so it's very like it's it's like a part of me and Along with Sister Act, the other movie that I think is like maybe her most iconic is Ghost. And that's what she won the Oscar for. And Ghost. Here's the thing about Ghost. Ghost was great, but Ghost isn't what felt cool to me. Because I was like, Mm. so this character is a little typical, even though most Whoopi characters weren't. But the reason why Sister Act was different for me was because who else? was doing that sister act is crazy because of the versatility 
just because and sister act like <laughs> sister act they're like oh we're putting you up against maggie smith and she and this to me is where we see this kind of uh <laughs> venus and north node in the 10th house sagittarius which is a little bit of this fearlessness of like yeah i can go up against dame maggie smith i don't give a <laughs> fuck you know Ghost to me, I just bring up because I do feel like similar to Sister Act, she carries that movie. She like, does. That movie is her movie. It's her tour de force. She does like she does so much in it. Um, and I was thinking about both of those movies, and this is so fringe, but like <sighs> she has four planets in her ninth house of God. Um <laughs> And when I was, you know, researching it, it's all this stuff about spirituality. And I was like, you know, there's, that's not really working for me. And then I was like, wait a minute. Her two most iconic roles are Ghost and Sister Act, which are both of these movies about her, like, reckoning with either institutional religion or with, like, mm. um, metaphysical spirituality. So I thought that was really fun. Um but yes, I agree with you. I think Sister Act, she is able to be, this is a little bit of the Mars and Libra to me, which is she's able to be appealing on screen. Um, you know, Mars is very much this self-presentation. So the Mars and Libra in some ways to me balances out the Venus and Sag because Venus and Sag to me is like, off off broadway it's so eclectic you know the mars and libra to me is saying i can do <laughs> something more conventional and i can be in the you know these high 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 earning movies um but i'm still going to be pushing it a little bit so mm -hmm. sister act which is such a bizarre unusual crazy thing to think about that in the early 90s you have this star role for someone like her it it ends up those movies are so successful that um iconic. in the iconic both iconic and it made her the highest paid actress uh from 1992 to 1994 and she is the actress to have appeared in the most movies in the 90s she did 29 movies so it's like this shablam. is what i mean that hustler mentality right right um the Scorpio metamorphic aspect, I think it's a little rocky with her. Um, you know, when you see all of these planets in Scorpio so close to the career house, we understand that her career will be one of constant transformation. We've established she's done a great job of like making that happen. Um, when you see the square from Pluto um, and the square from Uranus, we do get this idea that there might be some burned bridges, uh, especially with Pluto in her seventh house of intimate partnership. Um, I mean, obviously, I like she's had yeah. some breakup breakups, you know? Yes. She's had a time. Um, yeah. And, and uh, you know, she is a Scorpio. She's, listen, she, she has said that she had had six or seven abortions by the time she turned 25. During I her first Saturn... That. Yeah, uh, that's what she said. Um, during her first Saturn return, I don't know if you know about this. <laughs> she saw two planes crash into each other midair. Um, 
and like was so traumatized that she developed a fear of flying. So we know that there's a lot of like scorpionic shit going down. Um, Scorpionic. Right? Where it's like, it's so unusually intense. Um, Of course, yeah, I I think she's had some, she's had three marriages, um, all of which you know, have not ended well. And and also I want to bring up, I didn't know this about Ted Danson, but when Whoopi and Ted Danson met, he was married. And I didn't know that. yeah, that's what led to the divorce, to him divorcing his wife. And it was a $30 million divorce, which is basically, you know, Whoopi's got Mars and Libra in her eighth house of sex and transformation. Whoopi got she that has- wow. Exactly. She's got four planets in Scorpio. So there just is this aspect of like, okay, Ted Danson, like you're getting involved with kind of the ultimate Scorpio. And not only is this going to rock your world, but it's also going to like kind of ruin your life. You know what I mean? Like Uh you mess with Whoopi, you're going to be out $30 million um, and, and performing in blackface um, iconically. Um. And actually the blackface thing to me, this is interesting too. Um, you know, we see she has her Lilith in Sagittarius. Like we said, her Uranus is squaring her Mercury. Uh, her Mercury is kind of defined by this fourth house Gemini, um, uh, but by the sense of kind of her own limited, you know, Gemini is so limited in, in its sense of experience. So its own experience with, with kind of her her roots. And it was interesting, you know, when the blackface thing happened at the Friars Club, she was like, I, you know, she thought it was great. She thought it was really funny. And she was like, you're not going to tell me, um, you're not going to, you're not going to limit me. You're not going to tell me what's appropriate and what's inappropriate. I see a lot of her Lilith and Sag coming up there, which is like, I'm going to go out as far as I want to go out and you're not going to tell, you know, you're not going to suddenly put these censures on me. And to her, she doesn't even really get how that's maybe fucked up, you know? Um, so I did just want to quickly look at her first Saturn return was 1982 through 1983. This is kind of when she was, uh, performing her solo show. This is when Mike Nichols discovered her. Um, I wish I had been discovered during my first Saturn return, but, uh, <laughs> you know, like by Mike Nichols, but, you know, better luck next time. Um, Saturn transited her natal Venus. Like we said, her Venus is on her midheaven. It's at her most public career point. Um, in about late 1985, this is when she films the color purple gets her first oscar nomination Mm -hmm. so there's just this idea that she's suddenly being received in this huge way um saturn was moving through sagittarius kind of hitting her north node again it's at her public career point through 1988 so this is when she's just first marriage and divorce you know saturn's hitting her venus She's filming a barrage of movies, many of them not good, but she's just kind of on the attack. This is very much this kind of Sagittarian um, aspect of just like, go, Mm -hmm. go, 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 go. Um, And then we have Saturn in Aquarius. So Saturn is transiting her, her base house. 
1991 through 1994. Sister Act, highest paid actress in Hollywood. Um, Ghost winning it. You know, there's just this sense of really coming into herself. Her second Saturn return was 2012 through 2015, which is interesting. I see 2012 through 2015 as like her, you know, you think of the second Saturn return as you becoming like the elder. Um, I really think she became, this is when, you know, her role on The View gets really kind of fixed. We know that she's kind of in some ways like the cranky old host who's not really having it. Um, and yeah, so that's kind of more of the timeline. Um, I'm I'm curious about like what you think about her legacy. Um, generally. I think Whoopi's legacy is so, I mean, I worry about it because I think she's so iconic to me, but she moves right now so quietly mm -hmm. that a lot of people don't even know the magnitude of what she's accomplished because mm -hmm. she's not talking about it. She's not really showing it. She's not really giving it. But I do think that like, excuse me, which is why I worry about it because I'm like, I feel like not enough people, especially like people in the arts or people know how funny and how good she was, especially like her solo show and her stand up and stuff like that. Like what her voice really was and what it meant. And then also just like, I mean, her acting over the years. I think it's amazing and it's beautiful. I just wish more people knew about it. Yeah. Um, what do you think? So, no, you're really making me think because I'm looking at this, this Aquarius rising, which never wants to fit in. And I'm looking at this Scorpio, which is very much like observing and then controlling the matrix. Then I'm looking at her, her Pluto and her Uranus and Leo, which are basically complicating this relationship with traditional stardom. And mm. to but me, yeah. And that's like everything you're saying, like she won't be just because it's like not, she doesn't want to be traditional. She's never going to be. That's the up? thing. I, I think that her, she, we know she can play the system, really play it um, and really succeed. In mm -hmm. some ways, more so than like any of her peers. Um, but I don't think she really belongs. And, you know, it, it's interesting. If you look at someone like Viola Davis, like Viola Davis has always been an outsider and she's definitely like fought her way up. I think Viola Davis is a straightforward actor. And mm -hmm. she said, she's basically like, okay, this is where I belong. And it's taken you this long to realize that. Whoopi, Whoopi, I don't think belongs. Uh, to me, Whoopi is basically like, yeah, I did this. And yeah, <laughs> like I was best friends with Billy Crystal. Yeah, I hosted the Oscars four times. But like, this isn't who, you know, with Aquarius Rising, there's just this sense of like, I'm not you are of the the people you want to like unleash all of this stuff for the people but you never really um stop or you never it's hard to find your own tribe um i think that was whoopee is that like what i kind of like when her vibe is that's like 
She's like, I don't belong to you. And I don't yeah. belong to you. And I don't belong to you. I belong to me, which I kind of love. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, exactly. Um, it, 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 and that's kind of also what we what I love about that Venus and Sag and, is that she has really stayed eclectic. And mm. you could say it's interesting that she's so successful, but I don't. And yes, you you know she has she she has her cushy job at the View. She takes on a lot of gigs. I don't know that you could say that she's sold out. But I I also could say I don't know that she's like such a warrior of the people. She My really thing occupies is I, a complicated she's sold story. out, but I don't think she's a warrior of the people. I think she's the like I did what I had to do to get what where I needed to be, and now I do what I want. And I yeah. say what I want. And she's like, I don't owe anybody anything, which I kind of love, which it's like, on the one hand, it's like, I wish she was more of a warrior for the people. But also, Whoopi's literally always said, like, I'm no, I don't belong to you. I wish I yeah. kind of, there's a freedom in that. And there's a boss bitchness to that. Yeah. And it is making me think a lot about RuPaul too, which is like, RuPaul and Whoopi have done a lot. Like mm -hmm. they've broken a lot of barriers. They've opened a lot of doors for other people. Mm -hmm. They're both though, like coming in for the paycheck, you know, they're not. And that to me is a lot of that kind of Scorpio thing, which is like, I am still going to secure my power here. And there is in some ways, I think that's where a lot of the conflict happens in her chart, which is she's not fully able to to go into a place of sacrificing the self, mm -hmm. um, uh, you know, or fully giving and, and no one can in some ways. I think a lot of the Scorpio power that's transformed her circumstances gets a little halted by, by this sense of like self-preservation. Um, but that makes sense too. You know, um, it's just interesting because I, I, I see, I think Monique could have been the next Whoopi. I don't think Monique was oh. able to play the game in the same way. That no, Whoopi. not at all. But also right. Monique is kind of annoying. Yes. I think Monique has Whoopi's ability to like, she's not impressed by the system. Absolutely. I don't think I Monique think is able to fuck with the system in the same way. No, she's not. And she, I don't know what happened with Monique. But what I will say about <laughs> is that like, I feel like now she's at a point where she's like, whose system? Mm. What system? I don't care. <laughs> yes. And that's why she did what she had to do. So she could now say, no, I don't care. Yes. Which, you know, by the way, she's now had two Saturn returns in Scorpio. So Scorpio, if you've had two Saturn returns in Scorpio, when Megan McCain gets up to mm -hmm. talk to you, Listen, Scorpio is all about like the most intense, grueling experiences a person can live through, which transform wow. you. Nothing is going to scare you. You know, what, what is going to possibly intimidate Whoopi Goldberg, which is why when Megan McCain was like going off about the tea party and blah, 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 Whoopi just goes, okay. <laughs> I was perfect. It's, it's so good. Um, I'm going to need to do um, Rosie O'Donnell's chart soon because Rosie is an 
Aries with a Libra moon. And it's just interesting because Whoopi is a Mars in Libra. So Whoopi is like, yes, let's have the dialogue, but also I'm going to totally steamroll over you and I don't really give a mm. fuck. Rosie actually does want to keep the peace a little bit more and she does, which is why like the Rosie O'Donnell show works and Whoopi, Whoopi can't really do the the talk show like I'm just going to smile and make everyone mm -hmm. happy. Absolutely. Rosie, not. right, she can't. Rosie, of course, is like, um, you know, the queen of nice, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but Whoopi is like, I, yeah, Whoopi can't really entertain that um, in the same way. Mm. Mm. Um, okay. Is there anything else that's coming to mind for you or that you want to add um, for, I mean, I just love this thing about Scorpio women. Like mm -hmm. I love, I love the idea that Fran Lebowitz is a Scorpio and that we have like Roseanne, Fran Lebowitz, Whoopi, Kathy Griffin. There is just this, there's something there where they've all come under fire in their careers, I think, for revealing these truths or speaking too bluntly or too honestly in a way that that is often is over the line but often it's like oh it's interesting that this is what's making people uncomfortable you know mm -hmm. um is anything is there anything else you want to add on this front i mean i what i will say is that like i guess I love what I love about Whoopi, although I don't always agree with her, but for the most part, I do agree with her. I think that, you know, we can't or I can never ignore the fact that, like, she is the first black woman doing things that I that felt so like different from what you usually see. And like her opinions have always been so specific to herself and like there are a lot of boxes and stereotypes that she wouldn't allow people to put on her mm. and that I think is why she affected me so much growing up because yes. I was felt like oh I want to do that mm. that feeling of when people try to put things on you and they, like, you're just like that has nothing to do with me I feel like Whoopi was like the champion for always fighting against that so I don't know I guess I would just want to say that no I, I love that um yeah, I love because because it's interesting. I think like Hollywood is really cyclical and I had such an I loved watching old clips of her mm -hmm. and watching just reading about how successful she was in the 90s, because I think Hollywood and just the world we're in likes to gaslight by creating these false narratives that like. Mm -hmm. Well, there's never been a successful black woman in Hollywood. Look, Tiffany Haddish, she's the first one, you know, and it's like, <laughs> no, Whoopi's been here. And it's just because of like the cyclical well, nature. I mean, Haddish just talked like there's a clip of Tiffany Haddish, like Tiffany Whoopi means, I think, a lot to us, especially as like, a lot of black women in entertainment, especially girls who are comedians. Yes. Like, Tiffany, there's a clip of Tiffany Haddish talking about how much she loves Whoopi and how she, Whoopi played her mom in a movie and like literally she was like what like just she's like crying right right because we wouldn't be here or Tiffany wouldn't be here without Whoopi and it uh, yes and I think I think that 
if Tiffany Haddish or Viola Davis, or even someone like, you know, whatever, Tiana Paris, like it, it or um, Janelle Monet, I think they're probably still treated by studio executives and Oscar voters as like these phenomenons. Like, how is this happening? And I do think like, Whoopi, I think, I think Hollywood would prefer to forget Whoopi because mm -hmm. Whoopi broke down all of those barriers. She's mm -hmm. a she was the highest paid actress. She was the most prolific actress. And I, it's almost like, I don't think Hollywood wants people to remember that because it's easier to keep someone like Tiffany Haddish, a little gaslit into, well, we don't know. Are there roles for someone like her? We don't know. You know what I mean? It's a lot of that. And it's it's very dangerous to see a multi-hyphenate like that. Yeah. You know? Um and and yeah, I mean, I'm I'm sorry if I, I don't mean to be like telling you your experience. Sorry about that. You're not. Okay. Um, because I know you're like you're an actor and a comedian, and you like I just see you as someone who's very like because I've seen you perform your own and stories a and a singer, that's right. I've seen you perform Celine Dion too. Um, but yeah, like I've seen you perform your own stories. So like, I think you're someone who really owns her own career drive. And I guess just being an actress generally must be very scary because you have to like give seed control over to, to others. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. That's, so I guess she is a model because she was like, okay, you're putting me in the movie and I'm giving you this yeah. rather than like, I'm going to let you crush me, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I do just want to say like, because as we know, uh, I am David Odyssey, nay David Goldberg. And um, my mother always told me this story, which is... <laughs> Whoopi Goldberg did change her name to Goldberg because Whoopi's mom said, and this is so like incredibly Scorpio, Whoopi's mom was like, oh, you need a Jewish sounding last name because Jews are successful in Hollywood, mm -hmm. which is psychotic, but also like tea and tea. like, you know what I mean? Like, I think that's obviously totally anti-Semitic and crazy. However... Is it though? Because it's a compliment. I think from her mom, it was well-meaning. Like, yeah. I think, and by the way, like, it was iconic having someone named Goldberg and have it be, like, the coolest person on earth. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and like, I thought she was Jewish when I was growing up, and it was only when I was, like, 13 that I was mm. like, okay, and she would fuck with that too. She would always say like, I'm Jewish. Sure. Like she'll just say whatever. Cause she doesn't care. Um, but yeah, like her name is Whoopi because she used to pass gas a lot on stage mm -hmm. and then Goldberg because her mom was like, you need a name that sounds successful. Mm -hmm. and, okay. You are iconic. You know what I mean? And she was like, like and who's going to do that? She was like, I'm doing it and I'm doing it well. <laughs> and she did it. Um, so Carolina, tell me, where can people be following you? What should people be obsessed with? Tell me everything. People can follow me on Instagram at Carobina, at K-A-R-O-B-E-A-N-A-H. 
And, right. you know, just you can keep up with me there. I post all my, any kind of update there is to update, but there is no updates at the moment. And well, also, there oh, is one coming soon. What, what is that? There's a podcast, dot, dot, dot. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Don't tell Melissa. <laughs> She's going to be like, you need to be working. Um, yes, I do have a podcast coming soon. So please, yes, pay attention to my Instagram because we'll be announcing soon. It's called Hose with Feelings. And this was my beautiful friend, Melissa Rich. Former guest and future guest of the podcast. Former and future guest of the podcast. Um, and it's just about being a woman in these times and how, you know, being a hoe isn't always a physical thing, more energetically being a hoe about life and kind of just like dealing with feelings. And we have a lot of guests. We want to have guests come and kind of teach us how to deal with our feelings because we think everyone deals with them differently. And we just want to hear different perspectives. I love. I can't wait. Um <laughs> As always, I have been David Odyssey. Um, I'm at, you know what? Yeah, actually, yes, I'm going to say I am at David underscore Odyssey on Instagram. Um, DavidOdyssey.com is still under construction, but you can email a David Odyssey at gmail.com if you have any ideas about who you want me to feature on the show uh, or would like a reading yourself. Um, and Carolina, thank you. I'm so glad we did this and I'm glad we got to celebrate Whoopi. And, you know, I of course celebrate you always. And I celebrate you. The Luminaries is made with love in New York City. Consulting producer, Carly Hugendike. Music by Henry Kapersky and designed by Greg Kozatek. To book a reading, follow my illustrious life, or let me know who you think we should profile on the next episode. You can follow me on Instagram, David underscore Odyssey, or email adavidodyssey at gmail.com. Please share, rate, subscribe. You know the drill. Love you. See you next Tuesday. Mwah. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live. <laughs> <laughs>